What's up, y'all? This is John Ryan Kintu, and this is the JRC Podcast. Thank you for joining me on another episode. Today, I'm chatting with my very good friend. We call him Pastor Juji. He pastors a great AM church here in Houston. I've known him and his family for many years. And today, we talk about all kinds of issues happening in the church. We talk about what order looks like in the church. We get into some of the biggest threats facing our culture and thus our church. It's a great conversation. I hope you enjoy. But if you don't already follow the show on social media, uh, I am at John Ryan Cantu on Instagram. And if you're on Facebook, follow the GRC podcast. I'm working to get on more platforms as well, because that's just what the kids do these days. But in the meantime, you can get uh, some content for the show there. So without further ado, here's the show. Uh, so I'm the lead pastor of the Great I Am Church in North Houston. TGIA is what we call it. Um, it's a bilingual multicultural church, multi-generational church. It's really, really cool what God is doing. Uh, I've been the pastor there. Uh, I became the lead pastor about summer of 19. And then um, and then COVID hit, man. And I became a pastor of no, of nothing. Um, we shut, obviously, we, we actually never technically shut down our church. We had church there every Sunday, but mm-hmm. literally no one went, like, you know, five people. Yeah. And so after COVID, we started over. Um, and God's been, man, God's been moving, man. It's been really cool uh, to see what God is doing. Um, I think we had like 257 people or something in church, which man, that's like, we, that's all the church we have. And so mm-hmm. uh, that was pretty cool from, from having nothing after COVID. And I mean, like, I remember our first Sunday back, we we're like, Hey, come join us on Sunday. 10 people, including my Pumped family. Up, yeah. Four, you know? Uh, and so to have a couple hundred people come out, um, it is really cool, man. It's really cool. So uh, I do that. I'm also a professor, uh, English and history professor uh, and uh, English teacher. Um, I got two boys, been married 13 years. Um, I CrossFit for fun and competitively obsessive. Mm-hmm. So my wife would say. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's about it, man. So growing up, I lived in Westador, right right there, a subdivision, um, right, right by your church, right? And... Um, so we were always outside as kids. We had uh, we had this trampoline. I remember jumping on the trampoline one one day, and all of a sudden we hear this like old school Spanish Pentecostal, you know, fuego type of music. Uh-huh. And I'm like, dude, I know these songs, you know. Um, and I remember trying to jump high enough to see what was going on. I couldn't see anything. I, I just heard the music. Um, and then I don't know. I don't know how long uh, how long time elapsed, but I met you through. Both of our good friends, uh, Danny, who's Spanish pastor of our church, and um, and then we just found out that your church was the one that we were listening to all these every Saturday. We y'all, y'all are having services like on Saturdays, Saturday nights. No, what's funny is we so when we bought we bought that property in 2011, and um, we had a we rented out to a Spanish church, like an old school, like um, messianic Christian. You know, they have like the cover and they follow the Mosaic law and. Um, off the 13 Jewish laws, right? If, mm-hmm. if that's possible. And um, and on Saturdays, they would be there and they would be super old school. So you would, that, that's what you would hear. You no, would hear okay. That, that. So that wasn't you guys. From, right, no, but we come from okay. old school. So we're from New York, uh, born and raised there till I was 16. Then we moved to Dominican Republic, started church. Then when I was 17, we moved here. Um, but we know, I mean, we, we that's our roots is that Pentecostal, the Holy Ghost fire. Yeah. Uh, and it's because uh, that's the power of education, right? They started learning more and, and seeing the, the, the fullness of Christ and not just religion. But yeah, 
we know all those songs too. Yeah, yeah. So, so you, so you lived in, you grew up in New York, right? Yep. I was born in Manhattan, raised in Queens. Dang, Manhattan. Mm-hmm. So what's um, all right? So do you love Texas more than you love? You got you got to love Texas more, right? Love Texas, <laughs> and I bleed Texas. I mean, Astros, Texans, Rockets, Dynamo. Uh, so I think now I was telling my wife, and I was talking to our worship pastor, and they're like, "Man, why do you love Houston so much?" So now I'm 32. I moved here when I was 17. I moved out of New York when I was 16. So I think I've spent most of my life already here. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus, um, we've been able to buy property here as a church that we weren't able to do in New York unless you have right. family. Yeah. Um, and, and we've grown and, and, and we've built and I met my wife here. My boys were born in here. And, and so I love, I'm a Houstonian man through and through for sure. Yeah. I, I love NYC, man. I went last year for the first time. I, I never thought I was going to like it. I never wanted to go. I was like, man, it's dirty. All the stereotypes, right? It's dirty. It's probably smells. All of which were true. But I, I I love the energy of the of the city, man. Um, my wife didn't really care for it as much, but man, dude, I I never thought I could even. I never wanted to go visit, but like after visiting, I was like, dude, I think I could live here for like yeah, yeah. a year. I don't want to live there forever, but you know, I I really liked the. It was just busy, man. I like that. We try to go maybe once a year. It's just like you said, there's nothing like it. So it, it's the energy, the food, the culture. I mean, I remember I took my boy. We just went in, in for Thanksgiving and my my 12, my 11 year old was like, daddy, nobody speaks English here. Like he heard every other language. It's so diverse, so multicultural. Um, it's special, especially during the holidays. Yeah. It's super different. Yeah. But but you can't raise a family there. Right. So you can't have in property again unless you have 10 million dollars. How How is it? How is it like? um you know, just like the, the whole Christian culture of it, because obviously down here in Texas, we're in the Bible Belt. Everybody's everybody's Christian, right? Yeah, um, yeah. You go up to New York. I mean, really anywhere nor- uh, northeast, right? You don't really you don't you don't get that, you know? Yeah, man. Um, so so <clears throat> there's extremes, right? Like there's um, I feel like the Pentecostal movement obviously started in California, but it, it blew up in New York, and so my parents came to know Jesus especially my mom in that Pentecostal in Harlem, Manhattan, like in the heyday, mm. right? And she was born in 67, so in the 70s, 80s. Um, so what they learned, the gospel that they learned was like this angry God, right? That, that's, you know, going to come and, and, and judge everyone and and kill everyone and, you know, and and, and that kind of God, right? Like it's more rules-based, right, than, than about grace. And then my dad at 30 um, found, met my mom actually in a club, Dancing Salsa, Copacabana. And then they went to church together. And then at 30 years old, he got saved and he got saved in one of those churches. Right. So I would say it's like there was, especially at that time, there was extreme um, religion, extreme religion. It was about how you dressed. You had to wear a suit and tie Sunday's best. Right. And and, um, just a really oppressive, oppressive way of living out the gospel. Um, And then on the other side, yeah, it's New York. So a bunch of liberals, people who've never been to church in their life or, or have a strong stance against the church or, or what Jesus stands for. And so extremes. And I would, I would probably say it's the same thing today. Nothing as much as has changed, especially since uh, visiting every year. Those those little churches are still there. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of big churches. Obviously, uh, uh, Hillsong NYC is no longer a saying right. what it was, right? Uh, and so, yeah, Christianity, it's safe to say Christianity is not flourishing in New York City. Yeah. There, there is one church out there. I can't remember. I can't remember what the, what the name is, but um, it is, it is a Pentecostal church. Um, 
I follow them on, on, on social media. I can't remember the name of the pastor or the church, but man, they, they spit fire, man. Um, yeah. So they're definitely against the culture. It's, it's, it's crazy that, you know, you can, you can, the, the culture in which you live, it's so easy to just kind of preach into that, right? Because you're going to get everybody to say amen, right? It's, it's so easy to, it's so easy to go against the grain when everybody's going against the grain with you. Um, but like, you know, there in, in New York, like, dude, I, I just remember being there and like looking at dude, mil- literally millions of people right there in Manhattan thinking, man, dude, these people need Jesus, man. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. You'll see some really ridiculous stuff in the city. Yeah. So how, how did that affect you growing up? Like the, the super religious, um, I, I know, I know you don't wear, you're not much of a suit guy, right? You even preaching in hats, right? Yeah. 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 I'll, I'll, uh, for sure. It's just however I feel right. Um, and just very, I just don't see anything in, in, in the message of the gospel of Christ that, that cares much about what we wear. <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. think Jesus even a single time mentions attire. Right. And, and, and so, um, I think we have done a great job. We as people done a great job of creating obstacles and barriers for people to come to Jesus. And the gospel is so much simpler than what we've ever made it. Right. Um, I teach a class called the history of Western civilization at college. And uh, we go through the reformation. We go through the Protestant reformation and Martin Luther and what he, what he kind of uh, believed and risked his life for and, 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 and the Protestant movement after that. And I talk about in depth, I talk about how great a, of a job the enemy has done using people to divide the church, right? And have denomination after denomination, um, and I think Vody Bauckham said, there's no more a, a more divisive people than uh, divided Christians, right? 100%. Because people will kill each other over over things, whether a woman can preach or skirts or hat on or hat off or women should cover their head or not cover, like all these little things, right? Um, yeah. It's sad. So I grew up, man, I, very similar until my parents kind of were set free from that. Um, I couldn't wear jeans to play drums. I grew up a drummer, right? And I couldn't wear jeans. I remember one time I wore jeans on, it was like a midweek service. And, um, and my dad's like, you can't play the drums. And I'm like, well, I can't play the drums because I have jeans on. And I think it was that moment where he was like, this is kind of silly. Right, so right. Play, play drums with jeans, right? It's like, yeah. but I grew up thinking like, man, God's get fire and brimstone. Every time uh, we believed in the fivefold ministry. So when, when God would use a prophet, and I use that word lightly, right? I think there's, there's more charlatans than actual prophets, unfortunately. But there, there are those that, that, that move in the prophetic and um, God, it was always like God was angry. That's what I always felt growing up. Like, I have to be careful. I have to constantly ask for forgiveness. It was this angry God. And I'm like, this, this can't be it. Like, where's the, lo- where's the fruit of the spirit that I learned in Bible school, right? Love, right. joy, kindness. I didn't see it in people. I saw anger. I saw bitterness. I'm like, man, this, is, this can't be it. So I went to uh, Seattle, Washington when I was 16 and, and I met a pastor called Judah Smith. Now he's like this mega church. At the time he was nobody. He was a youth pastor. And um, he gives me a hug. He goes, man, you're, you're a pastor's son. I love pastor's sons, man. And he hugs me, man. I just start crying. It was a weird thing. I had this anger for the church, this anger for God. I also saw um, I, just the, the 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 messy stuff of church, right? Our our associate pastor was 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 having an affair with a girl on the worship team, like the messiest stuff, right? And left the church, and I loved him. He was like a brother, older brother to me, and I was just kind of I was all messed up, right? And at that moment, I just kind of all that was gone, that anger, and I'm like, man, I want to I want to know this 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 peace, this Jesus, right? And um, it was that moment that kind of set really changed my life, man. Um, that moment that kind of like there's more, there's there's more to this than I was taught. You know, yeah, yeah. 
Do you still see that today? Like that really angry, um, I guess, mindset of Christianity. I mean, I, I think I think I see it all the time. You know, I think you, you hop on social media. Everybody's mad all the time. Every Christian's mad. It's so um, easy to do that, man. It's like, yeah, I don't know how people have the energy or time. Um, it, it's it's crazy, man. It's like so when we took over the church, um, my dad, my parents told me early 2019 summer we we met with a with a, you know Kike Martinez. We met, yeah, and kind of branded and and kind of what's our mission and vision. Wrote down our mission, our vision, our values. Um, and um, what's funny is is uh, I thought we were gonna have some backlash, even though we hadn't been here. We only been to church here since 2011, but. We had older people, and and I know obviously the Bible Belt. There's some old conservative values, right? Like don't wear your hat, um, or, or things people hold on to, right? Uh, right. And, and so we had our serve team, our, our ushers, right? They used to wear like uniform, like pink shirt with a little. They look like flight attendants, right? Mm. So every <laughs> Sunday. And so I remember the first time I was, the, we had a meeting. I go, guys, no more uniform. Wear whatever, please. Wear a t-shirt. So we made TGIA t-shirts and we passed them out. Like, wear your. This is your TGIA t-shirt. Wear jeans. Be comfortable. Don't don't use church language to scare people from the parking lot. Just say, hey, what's up, man? Como estas? Or that we're bilingual, right. right? So we use both languages. And I thought, man, that'd be weird, or or there'd be some kind of backlash. Dude, they loved it. They, the oldest lady in the church, oldest lady by age, came and said, "Thank you so much, Pastor Juju. We've been dying for this." Like they wanted to be set free, right? Yeah. Of, of, you know, the costume, the church costume, right? And so I just feel like for some people that means nothing. For me, man, I just, I, I want, I, I've been so, I feel like I've been created to be outspoken about the things and the people that create obstacles between Jesus and, and his people and the people who are hungry. So like yeah. clothing and making people feel uncomfortable. I had a guy go, hey, I'm in sweatpants. So I don't think I can go to church because I can't get home. I text him and say, get your butt over here right now. Like you're not, this is not a fashion show. Come in or literally, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, man, that's been our thing. And so we haven't seen too much of that ever uh, the last three, four years. Um, it's been kind of, and even if it was one or two, we haven't, we haven't seen them. And God's just replaced that with people who are kind of after the same things, you know? Yeah. You have to get to a point where you, I guess, know that, it shouldn't be harder to get into a church than it is to the kingdom of God, right? Like, like <laughs> you know, we make it so exclusive. We make it we bring so many rules to it. And, right. Now. Uh, I mean, obviously, I think I think having standards is is needed, like especially for leadership. Yeah. But I mean, dude, like, I think I, I think the 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 message of the gospel is come as you are, and then don't stay as you are, right? Be transformed. But all that transformation happens on the inside. Um, which cannot happen if, if you're putting regulations on the outside, right? Because that's, that's, what's going to keep people out. Like, oh, I don't, I don't want to go to that church. I don't own a suit. I don't oh, own, yeah. you know, I don't oh, own yeah. a nice, uh, long skirt that goes down to my ankles. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, so no, I, I think, I think that's the mindset that we've, we've kind of shifted away from, you know, our, our generation. It's been helpful. Um, 100%. I think. I, you know, what's funny. I didn't, I didn't realize until now that, that you and I took over the church at the same around the same time right yeah, yeah. 2020, um 2020 I, I was at the end of 19 okay so i i took over as lead pastor 2019 in january um oh, oh. and yeah so i did that the first year was pretty much i wouldn't say it was a breeze but um not a lot of change we didn't do a lot of change um because we're our church we've been around for 80 years right um and I remember going to a pastor and telling me, you know, because I was, 
I obviously had all my ideas. I want to do all these things. I want to name a different different name for the church, all that stuff, which we, we now have. Yeah, um, but he did give me some words of wisdom where, where he said, um, realize that you're navigating a really big ship. And so it's not like, you know, like church plants, they're, they're kind of, I don't, I don't want to be a church planner, but um, they can, they can shift like that. Right. Um, they can make the turns like that because they don't, they don't have anything. They don't have roots yet. We have roots. So he was like, man, just, you know, take your time with it. Um, you know, don't, don't do anything too quickly. And I, I think that was good advice. I did tell everybody like, Hey, these are my plans. This is what I'd like to do. This is what's coming. Uh, and that basically gave a year for people to decide if they wanted to stay or leave. Some, some left and a lot of them stayed. Um, and then we did the changes in, in 2020, despite COVID, you know, we, we had a rebranding, a relaunch of our service that was supposed to be this huge deal. You know, we we're supposed to do it really big. Yeah. Um, but like you said, just people weren't really coming to church. So we're like, man, we're just going to do it anyways. So we did it. We did it. We did it online in, in, uh, yeah, man, we haven't looked back. So powerful, man. And you know what? Like, um, I don't want to bash the old school, right? Kind of what we grew sure. up. With. There's power there. And I remember talking to our team, and I'm like, man, I want to, um, for all the all the 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 crap that I talk about denominations, I want to create a different one. And <laughs> I want to I want it to be like a a mix of that fire Pentecostal, you know, that fire that we felt as kids. Like, man, this is this is real, but. Yeah. The lifestyle and the way we treated each other wasn't that wasn't Christ, right? But there was fire in the message, fire in the worship, and um, and I called it New Age Pentecostal, kind of like that fire. I believe in all the gifts of that are in the Scripture. I believe that the Bible is inherent; it is without error, and I believe everything that Jesus says that we'll do greater things than Him. That all the things the apostles did that we'll do, and I believe that that didn't stop anywhere at any point until Christ returns. And so I believe in the prophetic and I believe in the in the tongues. I believe in all these things, all in order, just like the Apostle Paul lays out, right, in his letter to Corinth. And so yeah. I thought, man, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Sure. There's got to be a perfect blend. So let's have this new age. We can look cool, wear, wear whatever you want. We painted our walls black. We got lights and even a smoke machine and, you know, um, and all these things. Painted our wind, blacked out the windows, did all this cool stuff, right, for the young people, right? I want my boys to want to come to church, right? What good is it that I say Everybody, but my own boys don't want to come to church. So I thought, let's make it a cool place. Let's be intentional about the worship. Um, and let's be who we're called to be. Let's not be like anybody else. We're bilingual. That means we translate everything, right? So I preach yeah. English. We have a translating team and songs are, trans it's who we are. We're Latinos. We don't want to lose our Spanish or English. We don't have to. We blend them in. And so that's what we believe. And so let's be who we're supposed to be, right? And so we brought the order, right? The Like you said, order, uh, it, there's power there. There's growth there. Uh, success is not an accident. I was on our team. It happens intentionally. Right. right. Let's bring order. Let's not have a church where, hey, we start at 10 and only the Holy Spirit knows when it's over, right? Kind of how I grew up. There was four or five hour service. Mm -hmm. even, even Wednesday night, man, on a school night, getting out at 11. Mm -hmm. So I thought, okay, let's, we can fix this up. Things we can control, right? Prepare something pretty and present it to God. That's it. And so I feel like we've, especially this last, uh, this last year has been huge for us, man. We've been able to build a new building, a two-story building in the front for school. We're starting a school, um, a theology school, also a, a pre-K school. Um, we bought the acre um, in front. So we've been able to really conquer this past year. It's been a great year. Um, and, and it's, I think it's because we haven't compromised, right? We haven't gone either way. We've gone who we are. We're not trying to be like anyone else. Right. We're also not going to kill um, the whole, the move of God, right? We've had moments where worship is usually 30 minutes, but today it's an hour. And I told them, I said, man, if, if worship 
long worship is a problem for you, I don't know what you're going to do about heaven because that's what we're going right. to do. Right. And so, yeah, a lot of worship. So I just feel like when you are who God's created you to be and you're not trying to be like anyone else, God honors that and he's honored. That's yeah. That's, be that's beautiful, man. Yeah. I, I, I tell our church the same thing, man. Like if you don't know how to worship here, dude, you're not going to know what you're doing in heaven, man, because it's all, it's all we're going to be doing. We're going to be basking in the glory of God. Let me ask you a question on something that you kind of mentioned. Um, you, you know, we talk about order a lot, especially you kind of have to talk about it in, in Pentecostal, you know, churches because you could lose that order pretty quick. And I think order, it can be subjective to some people, you know. Um, and so what and this is a question I've asked people, you know, just in conversation, just just um, curious to see what they think, because I think order, it means something to different people. Right. right. So what I might consider orderly, you might not consider orderly, vice versa. So how do you, you as a pastor, like, how do you, how do you handle that in, in a service? Like if somebody, like we'll just say, for example, um, you know, somebody wants to take the mic and they're like, well, I have a word, it's the Holy Spirit. And you have this line of people who just want to start, you know, ministering whatever the Holy Spirit's telling them. Yeah. It's so easy to insert God's name in there. I was telling the church the, the other day, like that's using God's name in vain. Like you are, you are lessening his glory by inserting you know, obviously, if you have a word from God, you have a word from God. But just just to win an argument, like, hey, this is from God, right? You can't argue with me. I don't care if you're the pastor or not. Um, how do you how do you handle that, or how would you handle that? That's interesting. And who are we to say that that's not God, right? Somebody says right. God, word. So we have people that move in the prophetic, and they'll tell me, "Hey, there's a word, and I I need to hear it first, right? Because I don't believe in disorder. So I believe there's God, there's Christ, and there's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does not do anything, I believe, right, based on my my studies, that, that Jesus doesn't know about. And Christ didn't do anything that God the Father didn't know about. It wasn't a pivot. There wasn't this spontaneity where neither, no one understood what was happening. So if I'm the lead pastor— uh, and, and I don't feel like this is this is a word from God's going to benefit the people, right? Maybe one or two, but I'm thinking about the people, the whole the whole congregation. Um, I have no so let me. Our mission is very simple at TGI: it's love well, live boldly. And living boldly that means speaking the truth. That means speaking up. That means um, being bold with your conviction, right? That means a million things, but but mm -hmm. a lot of that is is bringing truth. And, and order to disorder and chaos, right? And so even in the church, started, that starts in the church, right? Yeah. Well, revival, but revival has to start in the church first, right? And so um, for me, God, man, since I said yes to the call, God's given me this ability to, to be bold. And, and even if, it's a, if it hurts someone's feelings, if they don't come back to church because I didn't give them a, that, I believe we create the culture, right? So I, I cannot give you, I, this is not about you or your talent. This is about we, the, the team, the whole congregation. And so- um, I've had moments where God go, uh, uh, a brother is like, hey, God's giving me a word. I go, let me hear it. And then he'll tell me yeah. that he'll, okay, no, no, that's okay. I'll just say, just like that, no, 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 that's okay. That's fine. No, I can't, I'm not giving you a mic, but I, that's powerful. Thank you so much. I, I might share it later. Um, or or sister, hey, can I do this? And and, and so we, we create the culture. That's okay. That's not okay, right? Yeah. But again, we want to be sensitive to, to a move of God, but I don't believe a move of God happens without God telling the leaders. Right, yeah, uh, yeah. God moved before Moses. Moses knew about it, right? And, and Joshua knew about it, and and so um, I believe everything can be done in order because God is a God of order. And so mm -hmm. when it goes into chaos like that, and no one kind of knows what's happening, um, I I just I go back to this. Every Sunday, there there has to be a should be right someone who's never been there before, right? Or someone who's backslider or someone right. to recommit their life. It's really about them. 
Sunday yeah. is not a theological exposition, expository, exegetical sermon. That's not the time for for that on a Sunday morning. A Sunday morning is a celebration of Jesus, but also a, a uh, it's like we're fishing. It's just I'm casting this net on Sunday, a simple message of the gospel, whoever wants uh, to accept it, right? So we can't have the chaos that kind of, you know, we grew up, we've seen. That can't happen because I'm thinking about the unchurched. Matthew 28 says, go and make disciples. How can we do that, right? If if only, if no one understands what's happening. We, if, right. if, there's, if there's tongues being spoken loudly and abruptly without interpretation, uh, making people scared. I remember as a kid, I never wanted to bring my friends to church because I didn't yeah. know what was going to happen. It was going to be a three, four hour service. There was going to be tongues be spoken. No one was going to tr- interpret them like the Apostle Paul says that should happen. Um, crazy people were going to be banging their heads. You know, we grew up, so I'm Puerto Rican, Dominican. When the spirit moved mm. in a Puerto Rican, Dominican church, hair starts flying, elbows, right? There is nothing but chaos. And I'm like, yo, this can't be it. That cannot be God. Like the God of disorder, I don't believe, I just can't be. There's got to be a better way. And so um, no. I believe we set the culture and we allow what's cool. And you need to be bold about it. So whether it's yeah. removing people or I'll have our serve team, like literally grab people in the in the past when we first took over, like stop that. That that's a show, that's attention seeking. Yeah. You know, stop that disaster over there. You know, yeah. you know. So yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, I think that's 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 pretty much in line with what I'd say. I I, I do think that we set the culture, um, and cultures are different. And like like I said, I think one culture might, you know, something might be okay or acceptable in that in that group of people that might kind of be weird in another in another group. And I, I always think that as well. Like, okay, if there's somebody here, like this is our culture. This is this is our church. This is what our people are used to. But you have somebody from the outside come in. They're not used to any of that. Um, there's always that kind of balance. Like, okay, you obviously you don't want to you don't want to suppress what the spirit of God is doing in a, in a worship service. But at the same time, um, you you want uh, you don't want order. You don't want disorder um, exactly. in the in the in the service. And you don't want to yeah, like you said, you don't want to scare people either. Um, and so I, I do try to do a, a, a pretty good job of, of, you know, if we have like, if we have people, you know, speaking in tongues, if we have people, you know, um, just kind of, you can kind of know when, okay, this, this might be a little too much for some, some people. I do like to kind of explain, okay, this is what's going on. Even like when we're taking communion, like people don't know what, what that is. Right. Um, so I, I just think obviously we can't. You know, if feelings are going to get hurt or people are going to get scared, they're going to get scared. It's nothing I can do about it. But I, I think just having that consciousness of like, hey, this is like we have to be mindful of the person that's coming in here without Christ because we want them to leave with Christ. Right. Um, we don't want them to get a bad taste of, of, of the church. Um, so I, I think as leaders, as pastors, that's what we have to do. We also have to educate our, our people on, on what, what to, to do. do. Um, I think that's what Paul does, you know, to, to the Corinthians. Like, hey, guys have some order here. Right. Um, so yeah, I think that's our, that's our basis, but yeah, it's just always interesting, you know, because I think order can be subjective and, and you know that that. when you're having conversations with people like, Oh, this is what God told me. And you're like, did he tell you that? You know, it's like, um, yeah, it just takes a lot of discernment. Yeah. We're we're living in just like Jesus says, the itchy ears, man, people are going to be seeking things that, that please their ears. And, and, and there's, man, there's just, there's extremes everywhere, man. I had a lady tell me that Christmas shouldn't be celebrated. It's a pagan holiday. And I'm like, you, you understand that. I Like I went to school, man. Like, like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I got student loans because <laughs> like <laughs> we understand the history. I'm a professor. I understand the history of, of Valentine's day and Christmas and all these things. Right. And, um, and, and I understand where, where the Bible aligns or, or, 
or disagrees with certain things. And it's like, there's just extremes everywhere where people want to be Puritans, right? And not celebrate right. anything, incorporate anything of the world. Everything is pa everything's pagan. Everything. Sure. Or my hat is pagan. Everything I'm wearing, right? It's like, yeah. man, it's just, again, people putting rules and obstacles for other people to find Jesus, right? It's like, okay, you want to follow Jesus? First do this, right? No, right. that wasn't what he said. He just follow me. Just follow yeah, yeah. me, right? Um, and so that's really, I feel like, man, I, I am put on this earth to, to speak boldly against that, um, against religion and, and, and you know, uh, pharisaic kind of agendas. And I just think truly, 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 if, you, if you're watching the news, right, like, uh, I remember people would say, Christ is coming soon as a kid, right, in the 90s. I'm like, no, he's not. Now? I'm like, yeah, no, he is. <laughs> he is. There, there, this, there is a moment and, and a season coming quickly, uh, especially if you're paying attention to what's happening with Israel, right? And so it's yeah. like, yo, we don't got time to play. And, and as that day approaches, there will be more chaos. There will be more people trying to divide the church. There'll be more wolves than sheep. Those just, we, we know that, right? And so it's like our job as, as shepherds is to like protect our people and, and be bold and stand for something, you know, like, um, especially in this culture, right? And so- like yeah, they hold it, you know, fervently, and, and I think God blesses that man. Do you think that we're we're in a season right now where we're going to see a, um, like a like a big revival of people like, um, in the church? Well, not let me, let me rephrase. Do you think that there's going to be a mass exodus from people from the church, or do you think we're going to have we're going to see more churches growing? Because I've I've read you know I've read like the. You know, the statistics saying that, you know, Gen Zers, they're not likely to go to church and all that stuff. Um, at the same time, I, I know that the, the church is probably almost non-existent in some parts of the world, in some states, you know. But like here, I, I'm seeing a growing church, you know. Um, what, what do you what do you say? Man, so if I so Matthew chapter 10, Jesus points this out that in those days, right, as the day approaches, there'll be a great falling away. Right. So when I, I mean, how do I handle that? Right. So. I believe that there's going to be church growth, but it's, it's the wrong kind of growth, man. It, it's the, it's the extreme of like, um, God is, doesn't want you to change. You are the way you are. Your feelings are your feelings. It is your truth, right? We live in a world where truth is now subjective. And, and so that's what I'm, I'm seeing more and more, man. We're seeing, uh, uh, we're seeing a rise. I was talking to one of my black mentors and he was telling me the rise of homosexuality in his church with, not in his church, in the black church, uh, this movement, man, that's happening. And it's not like, oh, I'm sitting. No, no, no. This is who I am now. Right. And so this is what I'm talking about. Pastors get scared to get to talk about that and that sin. And yes, there's a million others. But what is the sin of this generation? What is the sin that Gen Z is going to deal with? It's sexual mm -hmm. morality. More yeah. than anything, it's it's sexual identity, identity crisis. Right. That's the battle for this generation. That's yeah. this, this, this generation's a battle. And so we, man, we cannot be afraid to speak up and at least go, yo, your feelings are not your friends all the time, right? They don't validate you. So I believe when I read Matthew 10, what Jesus says to answer your question, there will be a great falling away of true disciples. And there will be a great increase of people that only want to feed their ego and, and justify their sin, right? Because man, being convicted and being confronted, that that's, that's hard, man. And we live in a generation that creates safe spaces, but in the gospel yeah. in front of Jesus, there's no safe space. 
The light comes, bro, and wrecks you. The light brings order. The light looks into the deepest, darkest parts, worst parts of us and brings order to that. And we don't, that this generation does not want that. And the next generation will not want that either. And so it will be a great, like Matthew 10, Jesus says, a great falling away. So the church cannot, it won't grow. That that goes against what, 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 what the end times are going to be about, right? It's going to be fewer um, Christ-centered churches and more me-centered churches, more yeah. feeling-centered, right? Um, and so it just, it cannot be, there cannot be, um, but I do believe before that, um, no, so that no one could have an excuse. Everyone's going to know about the message of Jesus. If not, if, if not already, right. I feel like with yeah. technology and mission work and stuff, everyone knows, man, about the story of Jesus. Right. And I feel like, yeah. and so, um, there will be one last kind of great awakening, but I, I believe it'll be in the church because there's a lot of dead Christians, man, mm -hmm. a lot of dead Baptists and Catholics, and they don't believe uh, in the move of God. And that's, that's what's going to, you know, bring people over. And so, um, yeah, I, I think, I think to, to your point, I think um, just that mass identity crisis, that's been, that's been brewing for forever. And I mean, what, a couple of weeks ago, uh, the, the Pope basically gave the blessing to write priests to, to bless same sex um, marriages. And so I think that's, I mean, we kind of saw that coming, Um but like now it's it's like it's here right uh, i also know what was it the, the united methodist i can't remember exactly which denomination but one of those know, methodist yeah they split or something right yeah so i mean that's i think you're gonna have a lot of people who want they, they want their cake and they want to eat it too right so they they want that they want to be affirmed in the christian faith right mm -hmm. they 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 have the they have the val they have some values right with you know, conservative Christian faith. Mm -hmm. um, so they want Jesus. They they want a relationship with Jesus, but they're not willing to let go of that really huge piece of their identity, right? Which is basically, you're not giving everything to Jesus, right? Um, I don't think it's an interpretation issue. Like the Bible's very clear on, on that. So you can't really, you can't really solve that with, ex, you know, you can solve that with exegesis. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it's really just like a stubborn heart where people... Because, dude, I have friends that grew up in church. I have family members who grew up in church um, that say they love Jesus, right? Um, and it's, it's, it's really hard to have those conversations with them and say, well, you don't love Jesus, right? Or, or maybe you don't love Jesus enough, right? If you love Jesus enough, you would give up your whole self. Yeah, but it's yeah. really, it's really difficult to have those conversations with these people because they're just so, they're yeah. like, they're, tr they're blinded by their truth. You know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. And you know, and it's almost not their fault because their pastor doesn't preach against it. You have all these fastest growing churches in America and all these church plants and they're blowing up. Yeah. Because the pastor doesn't stand for anything. You have no, he's a politician. He's a, he's t a public, what is that? Motivational speak. Yeah. Speaker, right. And, and yeah, you don't know what he stands for. He's not preaching the gospel. Well, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I think, I think there's a demand. There's a demand for more of these churches, right? Because Whereas before, people would just stop going to church. Oh, I'm a, I can't be a gay Christian. Gay and Christian doesn't go together. I just won't go to the church where I don't feel that I'm not validated. People don't want me there. I'm not welcome there. And so now there's that creates this demand for that group of people who claim Jesus as their Lord and Savior, but want that lifestyle. And so, boom, here you have churches coming up with pastors saying, you know, yes. we'll, we'll, We'll take you as as you are, and you can stay as you are. I'm cool with the taking as you are, 
But again, you need that transformation, right? And so that's that's kind of what what we're not getting from from some of these churches in, in this right, generation. That's what we're not making disciples. And the church, you're not a church. You're just a gather a social club. Because the yeah. church, bro, it, every time Jesus spoke the Sermon on the Mount, every time uh, Paul spoke, Peter spoke, it was conviction. It was repent of your sins. Turn away. Don't let your sinful nature take over. I was just reading Romans chapter eight last night, dude. And if I could save any, if they were like, hey, the Bible's going to be burned. You can only save one chapter. It would be Romans chapter eight. There's 39 verses there that I feel like encompasses the gospel, the need for Jesus, what the spirit is, the battle between our sinful nature. I was just being broken by it last night in my bathroom. Yeah. And it's just a powerful, powerful chapter. Every Christian should read it. And every time Paul speaks or Peter speaks, even James, it was conviction, man. It was, and this culture says, I'm born this way. This is why Jesus says, be born again. Be yeah. born again. Homosexuality and Christianity don't blend. The way lying in Christianity don't blend. Adultery in Christianity don't blend. Cheating, it's all sin. Sin is sin. But the sin of this generation is that. It is a, it is a an attack on, on the identity. And, and it's like, man, so who I lie with is my identity. This is who I am, right? And there's just so much confusion. And it's almost not even their fault because so many pastors have shied away because we want to grow our congregation or, or this is all, you know, that's all they have. They want to be people, so many, so many pastors want to be famous. Um, and, and I want to be faithful over famous. I want to be faithful to the word of God and whatever that means. And, and Jesus says, people are supposed to hate me because of this message, not approve of me or, you know, like that's, so the more, more people hate and criticize, that means, man, this is probably the real gospel you're preaching. Yeah. So I believe, and not just preachers, man, Christians everywhere in your job, in your gym, into your friends, to your family, be bold, live boldly, bring the truth to, to disorder. It's going to save your life and the life of those that you do life with, you know? Yeah. I mean, this, this topic is, it's pretty near and dear just because I have people that I love that are, you know, that they're, they're openly gay and, and, um, I don't know how to, I don't know how to win them, you know, like, and I, maybe I shouldn't see people like as a, as a, something to be won, but you know, I, I see, I see a hurting soul and somebody that I love and somebody I want to see in heaven with me. Um, um yeah. and you know, there's, I, I mean, I've been battling for, for a while, like there's no, there's really no intellectual conversation that we could have. There's no theological conversation that we can't have. Like at the end of the day, it's really a heart and heart that I can't, I can't soften, you know, um, I can give you the truth. I can still love you through it. You know, I think that's one thing that Christians maybe need to do a little bit better. I, I don't know. Um, and then our Pentecostal roots, like you couldn't even have let gay people in or weird people or gothic people. It's like, wait, let them hear the gospel, the life changing, yeah. life saving gospel. And we're supposed to love people and God does the trans the transforming, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I think you said it, man. It's not an intellectual thing. It's I can't um, use apologetics tactics, right? To make you go, you know what? Yeah, I'm not gay anymore. Or, yeah, or yeah. whatever. I'm not confused anymore. The Bible says no one comes to God unless the spirit pulls them in, draws them in. And so, so sometimes I become a Calvinist because I'm like, man, I can't think Because <laughs> I'm like, man, there's nothing I can do to save this guy or girl from this. I'm like, ah, leave, man. Rebuke it. Just rebuke, rebuke it, bro. Just <laughs> rebuke it. Put your hands up. So I, I didn't think that you show them love, yes, um, but you never stop saying that, that God has a perfect, a better plan. You know, God has a better plan, better than what you could imagine, better than your feelings are telling you. Just, you know, and it, it's tough, but this is the war of this generation is this sexual, yeah. you know, 
Um, and we got to fight it, man. We got to be bold about it. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I, I agree. I, I agree with you. I think, um, I think we'll have a, a great division of, you know, the, uh, you know, the sheeps and the goats, right? Those that will be on the right and those will be on the left. I think everybody, um, thinks that they'll be on the right side of Christ, but you know, Jesus is going to reveal that, that that's not the case. Um, so, um, but yeah, man, I, I think, uh, <clears throat> I think that's, that's, that's huge. It's facing our, our young people and, and hopefully we as, as pastors and leaders, you know, we can, we can find a way to navigate through all of that. Um, got to, I'm not going to listen to YouTube, you know, like that's where the kids are going to, if we don't hear in church, they're going to hear it on YouTube. They're going to hear it on TikTok or whatever, Snapchat. Like we got to speak about it, you know, in a wise way and, and, and with love, but with boldness, you know? Yeah. 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 Do you guys have a lot of young people at your, at the church? It's been, man, it's been incredible, man. Since 2020, I feel like we, st- we started over. So we're three years old. Um, and it's been every week at a new couple, young couple either. So I'm writing a book called The Church Hurts. And, and they, okay. because most people our age, man, I'm 30. How old are you, right? 34. 34. So most people our age, bro, there's not a lot of us in the church if you really look at it, right? They're either in their 40s or they're younger. I believe God is doing something in the younger generation. Like my son's like 11, 12. There's, there's a hunger there for them because they're growing up seeing the chaos in the teenagers. Like what's wrong with them? Why are they confused, right? Yeah. My boys in, in our in our children's ministry. And so um, there's a lot of people like us, man, that grew up in church and but unfortunately never went back because the church hurts because... Anywhere that there's human beings, there's there's chaos, there's gossip, whether you're a nurse in your job, there's right, there's bad people. And so what the devil does to people that have been hurt by church, he just blankets it like, oh, the church, they're a bunch of liars and hypocrites. Yeah, there's liars and hypocrites in your house, at, yeah. the, at the post office, everywhere there's humans, anywhere there's people, there's bad people, right? Yeah. And so um, he's done a good job of keeping people away from church, from life-saving message, right, from their purpose. Yeah. Um, because of hurt from church, pastors, religion. Um, and so this message, man, that we've been preaching for the last three years, a lot of people like me are coming. You'll see a lot of hat backwards. So unfortunately, some Dodger hats. I don't know where they mm. those Those Californians are coming, man. Yeah. Uh, some New York Yankee hats, and, and I hate the Yankees as well. As well. <laughs> and so the point is you'll see people that don't care about appearance. They just want this Jesus because they know it's life, but they were hurt by religion. Right. And, yeah. and now they have kids and their kids are going through things and they're hearing the, you know, the, the LGBTQ SIA plus or the, the, the racial divide, all this stuff, like, whoa, whoa, this is chaos. Like, this is what my parents warned me about. And now I need to get my kids, you know, I need to get my kids to know Jesus. And so your, our church has, dude, it's probably 80% 30 year olds, 30 to 40 year olds that were 25 to 40. Um, it's been a crazy, uh, 360 and so, or 180 and, um, and also we made it very intentional with our children's ministry. Like our number one priority is the young generation. It's, we yeah. built a building yeah. for them. It's, it's the kids starting from the, you know, from kindergarten to 12th grade, the gospel has to be real and relevant and relatable to them. If not, the church will die. We will not exist yeah. 15 years. Yeah. Right. And so it has, to, it has to, we have to put our resources, whether that's money and time and training or whatever it is, um, because there, there's also not a lot of good equipped youth teachers and, and children's teachers. That's why we're starting a school and the school is not a, a church thing. The school is for the city. It's called the I am school of theology because there's not a lot of children's leaders, youth leaders that are equipped 
to have these conversations about gender identity and and trauma and sexual abuse and all these things. And you don't need to go spend $50,000 like I did to get a degree, mm-hmm. right? To, to be able to have a conversation, but you do need to put the time in and read the word and and get educated, right? And so right. what's the solution? We, we built a school starting in January uh, for, for it's, and it's geared for worship leaders, church teachers, Sunday school teachers, youth leaders to get equipped in the word of God, learn how to counsel people. It was one of the programs of the school um, at a super affordable, basically a gym member, awesome. right? And so um, there's a passion, like there's a hunger, not just for TGIA, but for the city of Houston, for our youth teach, youth leaders, children's teachers to learn how to help these kids. It can't all be thrown to you and I because we're the lead pastors. We don't, yeah. we'll get a heart attack, right? Yeah, yeah. We're pastoring the, the adults, right? And so um, we had to learn how to equip them. Um, that's our focus, man. And so we've seen a lot, a lot of young people with kids, young families come through our doors last year. And so I, I felt led to to start writing I'm only like a chapter in, but the church hurts um, because a lot of people are, especially in our our generation, uh, hurt by the church, and and the devil has done a good job of entertaining that to keep right. them away from the church. And so I say that to also say, as pastors, our number one priority has to be children's and youth ministry. It has to be right, or else how are they in twenty years, man? When everyone's confused. Who, where's the church going to be, right? And so if we don't invest in them, solid teaching, solid preaching, you know, lifestyle living, um, the church will die. And, yeah. And, uh, and so we got it. Well, yeah, you, you see that a lot now. I mean, you see a lot of churches that they're not going to be, they're not going to be carried on by the next generation because there is no generation. So, you know, once that the last of that generation kind of dies out. Like that's it. I mean, you could have people that go in and, and do like the, uh, um, what's it called? Um, I mean, I'm getting the brain fart here, but yes, you know, some, somebody comes in like a younger pastor comes in and, and they try to, you know, they try to, um, kind of rebrand everything, but that's really hard to do. I've, I've seen, I've, I've seen it, in probably three different pastors that I, I'm, I'm good friends with, uh, they tried doing that, and it's you just can't. Th- there's a culture already there, and you know, changing that culture, bringing someone new, kind of with newer ideas, the church has to embrace that. And if they're not ready to embrace it, I mean, what what can you do? You know, dude, and you know when you could like I've seen it drive up and down. Or my church is off 1960, right, 45 North. Um, there's a hundred little churches on, on, on storefronts, little plazas. There's, you know, Iglesia La Puerta Estrecha, uh, Mount Sinai, Pentecostal Baptist, whatever, reform. And little bitty church, you know, 40 members here, 40, 30 here, 50 here. And, and if you look at it, there's no young people. Take a good look. You know, go yeah. where you're at, East Downtown, Fifth Ward area. Go over there at Third Ward and go see. There's 20,000 churches in every corner. And you'll see there's not a lot of young people. So then my question is, what are we doing about that? Like, you know, um, because what you're going to have is, is the big mega churches, right, with all the resources, but they're not preaching the gospel. They're preaching with just one part, right? And so they're getting misled, man, and they're growing up weak and they're growing up fragile with a broken idea of, of who Jesus is and the holiness of God. And um, yeah, so we got to do it, man. We, we got to do it. You know, yeah, yeah, I, I agree, man. And I think, I think we're living in the time too where um, all the young people do. They're gonna get. And I, I say young people like, like I'm an old, like old dude, right? Um, I'm still young, but like this next generation, there, I think they're getting educated with. I was thinking about this a lot lately. They're, they're getting educated in reels, man. Thirty second videos, like 
That's what they're getting. That's that's their education. Um, like even even like the longer YouTube and podcasts, something like this. I don't even know how that's going to reach, you know, my daughter's generation. I don't know if they have the attention span for it. Right. Like people want clips. And so, like, if I want this podcast to reach anybody, I'm going to have to advertise it like with little I'm gonna have to pull little nuggets out right um because that's that's what people want like they don't they don't have the time I don't they have the time but they don't they don't want to sit down and listen to a an hour podcast and so you're getting a lot of people follow like young people follow these Christian influencers who maybe some of them have some pretty sound theology but at the end of the day a lot of them are just on there just to be cool and to make a name for themselves and, and like trendy, you know, like Christianity has kind of become trendy in some ways. And like, that's, that's kind of what I'm a little, you yeah. know, they're fun. And, and you yeah. know, I'm afraid man to, to call these people out and there's, there's movements, there's, there's members of Maverick city music that it blew up. Right. And there you look at their lifestyle and the things that have happened, you have the Kirk Franklin's and the TD Jakes, man, these are pillars for the gospel. They have been in the past compromising, compromising their beliefs um and and the way you see it the bible says something clearly is you will know them by their fruit not by their gifts not by how great of a speaker they are or how great of a singer they are you will know them by their fruit what does that mean by how they live their life by what they choose to portray and and publish on social media what they say how they that's how you will know them and the bible says we don't judge those who don't believe we judge those in the house in the family right so we live in a culture, don't judge me. Well, if you're so claim to be a believer, I got we gotta call each other out. It's called accountability. And this generation doesn't want any part of that. You so you have people like the people that I mentioned that are living it's almost a double life. Like there's no humility, there's no kindness, there's no even reverence anymore for the things yeah. of God, right? Because like you said, it's becoming trendy and it's like it, 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 that's when you know, man, like this is, we are getting closer to the end, right? When, when it's becoming cool, uh, but yeah. it's not truth. Right. Exactly. And I, I think, I think for a lot of younger people too, um, who haven't really developed that gift of discernment, which we need to pray for, you know, um, once they're bought into somebody, they, that person can basically say anything, right? Cause that trust or that artificial trust has already been built. Like I, I'm a, I like this person. I like what they're about. They're fun. Their videos are fun to watch. They're, they're cool, right? Their music's great. And so whatever they say um, can be very influential to that person in, in the positive or the negative. So that's why I say I think discernment yeah, really likes so that so like my daughter, my eight year old daughter, Layla, can hear something and be like, well, that's not that doesn't sound right. Like, that's not that's, that's not it's not in line with the word. Um yeah. Yeah, but that's that's what that's what these people are gravitating to. Um, you know, I think even more so than the church, like that's that's where they're getting their theology. Right. That's where they're getting their education. Um, so, you know, I, I aspire to, you know, hopefully be some type of voice in that sphere, you know, um, and bringing people like like you on and, and speaking, speaking truth, you know, and you're a cool guy. I mean, you got. You got muscles and uh, you, you wear the hat cool and all that stuff. So, um, but that's what we need, man. We need Christianity not to, not to, we need people not to focus on being, being cool and being trendy and all that stuff. Like just speak the word, man. Um, Simple. That's it. That's it. And you know, it's, it's funny as pastors, it's easy to get overwhelmed. Like, man, are we not doing enough? Should we do more things and add more things? And do we need a this class and a this people? Oh, yeah. 
right? It's like just preach the gospel. Um, Dallas Theological Seminary, their 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 mission and purpose statement is, is teach truth, love well. And I love the teach truth. I was inspired. So I so I ours is love well, live boldly, because I was inspired from DTS, right? It's like the Harvard of theology school, and um, it's simple. That I love. They just go back to teach the truth, teach the gospel. That that's it. Don't worry about anything else about. Um, even about growth, really, because if you're preaching the gospel in its entirety, people will, it will, we started with 10 people after COVID, now there's hundreds, right? Because we just decided to teach the gospel in a real way, the way that, that I know can, has saved me, right? And, um, and you just do keep it simple, right? Make sure people are getting ministered at every age level and, and that's it. Preach the gospel and, and the church will grow there. There's going to be, the Bible says there's going to be a remnant. After Jesus says there's going to be a great falling away in Matthew 10, he talks about a remnant. That's a small group of people that are hungry for the truth. And those those are the people that are going to remain in. Um, and th- that's going to be the church, man. Yeah. You know, and we just got to, that's it. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Yeah. Preach the gospel. All of it. All of it. Even the uncomfortable stuff. Even the stuff about hell, fire, and brimstone and judgment day. Preach the gospel because at the end of the day, this is about heaven or hell. This is about life or death. At the end of the day, however cool you want to sound, this is about life and death and where we spend eternity. Yeah. Preach, preach that too. One hundred percent, man. I agree. Yeah. Well, man, let's. let's uh... A lot of prayer for this for this next generation, right? <laughs> and uh, a lot of prayer for us. We're we're still we're still in it, man. Our, our time is, I think, I think you know, just being just the last three years, just of being pastoring of, of of pastoring our church. There's a lot that I've learned, man. I've just grown a lot, you know. I don't know how it was for you, but you know, I grew under the, uh, you know, the uh, the leadership of my dad and before him, my my grandfather, and so. I always thought like just kind of that secondhand experience or exposure to ministry, like I was going to know how to do it really well. Right. And I was going to do it better. Right. Um, and so like nothing against any of the leaders before me, but you know, you, a, a newer leader, you kind of come in with plans and ideas and stuff like that. And you're like, Oh, this is going to work. And this is going to be great. We're going to get rid of that. Cause that didn't work very well. But, uh, I think the Lord has really just humbled me, you know, um, in this leadership, uh, phase of my life. And I think I'm going to continue to learn. How, how was that? For, how was that for you, man? Um, that- you, you know, when you're number two, you have all the better, better ideas. You yeah. have it all figured out because no one's really counting on you or looking for you or calling you for it to fix any problems. Right. So when you're number two, oh, I would have done it this way. Oh, this is right. You have every plan when you're not number one, but the minute where everyone's calling you, it's all on you. What are we going to do? How are we going to do it? Um, it's like, it goes, man, I, I pray that I've invested uh, uh, enough time learning, right? So that I'm prepared. Yeah. Truth is, um, and, and you know, I took over, I had finished my master's degree. I was in, in, a, in, a P, in my PhD program. I was educated. I was qualified, right? right. To lead. I have a bachelor's in organization. My master's in philosophy. I can, I can articulate the word of God. I was qualified. That doesn't matter. <laughs> leading sheep, leading human beings. You need to, the way that you learn how to do that is by doing it. Right. So, um, thank God I have, my parents are, are two incredible leaders and, and, and conference speakers. And so I was, I was learning a lot, um, when I was, as I was the, the worship pastor or executive pastor or children's, every kind of position in the church. Right. <laughs> uh, and, and, but unfortunately this, this job, this, this life that, that God has called us to, you learn it as you go, you learn yeah. it 
You just say yes. And when you say yes, I wasn't bold like this. I wasn't courageous. I wanted to be cool with everybody and not offend anybody. I was that guy. So I know people, even pastors that are afraid to speak up or post things or, you know, they kind of keep it like general, like what stand, I was that guy too. I, I was afraid. But when I said, yes, God gave me this courage, this boldness to, to risk everything, even friendships, even family for the gospel, because that's what it will cost us. It will cost everything. And so just say yes. You know, when you just say yes to the call, he, he will, uh, there's a saying, right? God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies those he calls and just say yes. And, and everything else will fall in line. Be, 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 I will say this, be okay with saying, I'm sorry. Be okay with saying I wasn't a good thing, right? One of our core values we have seven at TGIA is, is flexibility. So it's the ability to go, Hey, maybe we started this program or this, this is not working out, right? We need, or maybe, Hey, I put you here as a, as a young adult person, but you're really better with the older people. And I need you to pivot here. It's that constantly we're no one's, no one's staying where they are permanently. We're, we're always in flux. We're always moving around, right. And, and open to change and, kind of creating that that's the culture that, that I yeah have. yeah that's 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 the culture i think that every every church every every organization should create like uh, a culture of of uh, i guess flexibility man like you have to be flexible with, with whatever, whatever god wants to do and and like it's not like it's not like god's always speaking us for to us verbatim like what we're to do right like sometimes we're gonna make I would say most of the time we're going to make human decisions, right? And we just, we have to go in the wisdom of God, like praying about it, make, doing our due diligence, right? I've done everything I could do. I prayed about it. I, I didn't, I didn't hear a solid yes. I didn't hear a solid no. So we're just, we're going to do it. And if, if it doesn't work out, maybe, maybe it was, it was just not the right decision, right? Sure. I think that's okay. Right. Um, and I, I think that, I don't know, it's, it, it's almost as if people expect pastors to be like, like Moses, you know, where we're like, we just would go up to the mountain and, and we have that face to face. All right. I, I got it guys. You know, it's like, it's not like that, man. Every time. Not all yes, the time. We have to have that it's clear, right. Sometimes it is. Yeah. Sometimes it's 100%. Yeah. Yeah. But most 90% of the time it's like, man, I feel, I feel like the spirit is leading me this way. Right. And, and we cannot, I heard somebody say the cost of inaction outweighs the cost of a mistake. So like, I need somebody to fill this void and maybe you're not the best person, but you're the only person right now. Right. And, and it's also creating a culture of like, you're not going to die in the position you're in right now. You mm. might be the youth pastor, the worship pastor now. I might be the lead pastor now. This is not a terminal sentence. I'm not going to die doing this, right? Because God's going to bring Generation Joshua with a fresh vision and a new vision and a, a new strength that that the people need, right? That's a whole nother conversation we can talk about is transition, right? Like right. When, when to let go, right? Because our parents figured that out. Thank God. But I know I know a lot of friends, man, that their parents yes. are senior citizens not letting go of the church. And I'm like, how do you, where do you want the church to be in five years? If, if with all due respect, you might not be around, right? Yeah. Like you don't have yeah. a vision for 10 years because you're going to be 85 in 10 years. So how are you, how are you leading the church into the next generation? Right. right? Like we also need to learn like as pastors, Hey, I'm, I can't lead. I'm done. I'm done leading. I've, I've run yeah. horse. Right. Well, I, I think, I've had this conversation with a lot of people too, and I think you, your church, and I will say our church as well, I'm, I'm really proud of because I think we handled that transition period really well. Um, I've, I've, res- and it's like, I, to me, I didn't even think about it. Like it was just, it just happened. It was smooth. Like I didn't know that there was supposed to be issues. Right. But I talked to a lot of, same thing, a lot of pastor friends and they're like, dude, I am having a hard time with this transition. How did you do it? Like I've, I've had to do like consultations with people and I'm like, dude, we just, 
we just did it. Like I don't, it wasn't a magic formula or anything. Um, and I remember talking to your dad cause I think he's doing his PhD. He was doing a dissertation on transition. So he interviewed me, he interviewed me in Spanish and I had to, yeah, I was, I was interesting. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I mean, for us, it was just, I think my dad, he, he spent, he knew what he wanted. He, he knew what the goal was. He defined everything, you know, Back in 2015, I kind of came in as the associate pastor. He said, okay, hey, um, I want you to help me for the next, you know, four years. And then I want to retire by 65. That was his thing. So I was like, okay, I didn't really know if I wanted to be lead pastor or anything like that. But I said yes. And um, and then he started to just, you know, lead me and, and give me more responsibility. And then when that time came, he was like, all right. Are, you're ready. You know, you were kind of doing this for the past four or five years. Um, I'm, I'm here. You're like, I, you have my blessing. I'm, I'm here if you need me. Go ahead and, and, and take care of business, right? And it was it was that simple, you know? Um, and I think more so it was, it's a testament to the pastor that comes before than it, than it is. Like, I can't take any of the credit. I just took the baton, right? He had to pass it, right? And so... That's that's the issue is a lot of people just don't know how to pass it. You know what I'm saying? And I don't want to be that guy. You know, I want to I want to know when my time is when I'm up, you know, and I think when you're doing ministry for God, you can do that. You can handle that transition. Well, if you're doing it for yourself, it's going to be really difficult. Exactly right, man. And that's why churches have died and are dying. They don't know that they're dying right now because the pastor refuses to let go, man. And and. and um, and like you said, my, my dad is writing that dissertation on transitions because even, even it's still hard. It's not easy because yeah. this is what I've done for 25, 35 years. Sure. This sure. is who I am. I've preached every Sunday or I've made every decision and now I have to let it go to this person or thank God for us, it's their son. Right. right so I, right. I, you know, there's, there's respect and admiration. Um, and my dad still, I put him on our preaching schedule and my mom, even she travels all the time. She's in our heavily evolved and, and because I need them, I, I can't. I have no desire to preach every Sunday. I can't do that, right? Yeah. Um, and so there is this like, it, there, there is what we're learning, right? It, there is a formula and most people don't know. And so I feel like that's a that's a book we should write or something, yeah, you know, yeah. or another, a whole nother kind of series of podcasts to talk right. about training, especially for Latinos and uh, churches. And even, I feel like anyone can, can relate to that. Learning when to let go and learning. And as the, as the predecessor, learning how to honor them but also being okay to like, hey, we, you did this this way. It got us here. Now we need to do this, right? Like be okay with, I want to honor you, but also there is, there's going to be change. And it's going to be uncomfortable and being okay with all the phases of transition. Yeah. Yeah. I remember setting, uh, trying, trying to intentionally set the tone when, um, when like they announced me as the next pastor, I gave like my little speech or whatever. And um, the first thing I said is like, hey. I'm not Juan Cantu, which is my dad. I'm not Joe Salazar, which is my grandfather. I'm I'm me, right? Um, so to to kind of like set that tone, like I'm not I'm not going to be them. I'm not going to be anybody else. And I believe, and I said this. I said God doesn't call us to be other versions of other people. He calls originals, right? And so I'm gonna I have to be true to who I am. And I, I will say, I mean, throughout the you know the, the past four years. There has been pressure to do things outside of who I am, 
you know, um, and, and try to do, try to, try to do things more like maybe my dad would do it or somebody else would do it. Um, but I think that's dishonoring the person that God called, you know what I'm saying? Like God called me, God called you, be you, be the best version of yourself, but don't be anybody else because that's not who God called. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, yeah, well, we can probably talk about this. Man, not even for lead pastors, worship leaders need to hear that. Don't be them. Don't yeah. be. Don't don't yeah. stop wearing the white and beige all the time because because man, mm. like like be who you were called to be. Worshiping your style, it's authentic. It's going to relate to someone. You know, there's enough copycats in the world. Be who you are. You know, powerful. That's a powerful message. That's great. That's good, man. Yeah. Well, dude, I don't want to take up all your time. Um, I know I know you're on your I know you're on your break, your Christmas break. Um, but I want you to be able to to enjoy that. But I um. I don't know. Do you have anything else? Any closing thoughts? Any any prophetic words that the Lord just gave you right now or anything like you say? When they release the word, I'm going to release the word and I'm I'll release it. it. <laughs> Dude, honestly, man, I'm so excited for you and going back to this, man. This is needed. People need to hear this. There's so many people who work jobs that are listening to podcasts and 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 stuff and, and most of it is garbage, right? And so yeah. this is cool, man, especially for those that want more. Uh, this is dope, man. This is going to prosper. This is going to blow up for you. Um, and anytime, and anytime we can come on and, um, we should, man, we should probably do like a little round table too, with some of our friends, you know, and awesome, let people, bro. let people hear it, you know, yes. out of ministry. And so I love it, man. Love you. Thanks for having me on my brother. Yeah, bro. Thank you. Um, say hello to the family. And again, thank you. Thank you for your perspective, your insight, man. God bless your church, bro. You guys are doing awesome things over there. Um, we're big, we're big fans. We love your church. We love you guys. So, um, you're in our prayers. All right, brother. All right, man. Well, thank you again, man. We'll talk soon. We we gotta play golf. We got. Let's do it, bro. So we gotta we gotta see what's up, bro. This is the time to play, man. This is the time to play. Let's let's do it. Let's go. Let's, let's go see how bad we suck together. I'm, I'm gonna see what's up tomorrow. If we got time, I'll text you right now. Okay. Yeah. All right. Sounds good, bro. Later, man. Hey, thank you for listening to the JRC Podcast. I hope that you enjoyed the conversation. If you didn't, I hope you'll give it another chance. If you did, do me a favor and give me a rating and a review on iTunes by going to the JRC Podcast and and leaving it there. You can also help by sharing the content. That would mean a lot to me. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, head over to the website, jrcpodcast.com, and you can get in touch with me there. Have a blessed week, and until next time, peace out.